Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, big stuff happening in our church, exciting things happening in our church. But before we start talking about what's going on, let's start off with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. <clears throat> May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I think it's very fitting, folks, that we are praying the Angelus and the prayer to St. Michael back to back. Why is that? Today's show, if you read the title, it's called The Heart of Life Starts in the Womb. Big things going on. You know, we're in the month of June, June 24th, monumental day. June 24th, 2022 is going to be remembered, I hope, as a monumental day in the Catholic Church, in the life of the Catholic Church. Why? Because it was a feast of the Sacred Heart. Let's start with that. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, yeah, but that's when Roe versus Wade was turned over by the Supreme Court. And I say, but more importantly than that, it was the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And if we devote ourselves to the Sacred Heart, if we start thinking about our devotions, miracles can happen. Or what we believe are miracles can happen. It was the Feast of the Sacred Heart, and Jesus chose to sh show the power of the Sacred Heart in the month of June, asking us to take pride in his Sacred Heart. And look at what happens. Life happens. The fight for life starts to happen. The fight for life turns its tide toward life. Important, why do I say that it's important that we pray the Angelus and the prayer to St. Michael back to back? Because this is what it's all about right here. There's no coincidence, I don't think, and we're going to get into this a little bit more in the show. Uh, let's go through and see what happened on the Feast of the Sacred Heart in particular this year. But no coincidence that we pray the Angelus, which is really celebrating the Feast of the Incarnation, of all things. You know, we pray the Angelus and we don't think about it. Sometimes we think, oh, the Angelus is because it's noon. But what is it that we're praying in the Angelus? It's a wonderful deliverance prayer. It's an amazing deliverance prayer because we're actually celebrating the incarnation. We're celebrating the conception of Christ and the womb of Our Lady. 
and we're celebrating Our Lady saying yes to Christ, humbling herself to God after the message of the angel, saying yes to Christ, I will bear you in my womb and give you life. Life, sacred life, begins in the womb. The heart of life begins in the womb. How do we know? Because Jesus himself tells us that he is the life. And how did he come to us? Through the womb of a woman, which is the factory the place of life. It is the beginning of life for us as human beings as God designed it. No question about that. Love starting the show with the prayer of the incarnation. That's how I think of the Angelus. We think of it as God fulfilling his promise from the Proto-Evangelium in Genesis when God himself told Adam and Eve, I will send somebody and their seed and the lady. There's going to be enmity between the lady and her children and those of the snake, there's going to be a wide divide, and it's about the incarnation. It's about life. It's about giving us eternal life. That's really what we're celebrating here, folks, is eternal life. Any coincidence that it's the Feast of the Sacred Heart where miracles can happen, the Feast of Life of Christ. You know, as a doctor, what do we think about when we think of life? We get to medical school, and the first thing they tell us is, hey, you know, the most important organ that we're going to talk about, the first one we're going to start with is the heart right? It's what beats life. It's what every breath we take in, what's it for? So that the heart can continue to pump and give us life and make that blood go throughout our bodies. What did Christ do? He sacrificed his life and he told us there is no greater love than a friend giving up his life for his friend, right? What happened on the Feast of the Sacred Heart? Well, let's talk about this. The Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. I know a lot of times we think of it as that's the primal thing that happened. But if we're going to think like Catholics, we got to ask ourselves, let's look at our Catholic calendar. Let's look at what the feast days are of our Catholic calendar. And let's expect big things to happen on big feast days. But I said, it's important that we recognize that we pray the Annunciation. We pray <clears throat> the prayer of the Annunciation, right? The Angelus. We pray that along with the prayer to St. Michael. Why? Because when God and Christ want to do something big, there's always some evil lurking in the side, trying to bring it down. No coincidence. This is what's happening. It's the eternal fight. It's the fight from the start. God creates life. He creates the family. He wants the family to flourish. And what happens? The snake comes in and tries to end it. Well, folks, today we have a victory, but keep praying because it's not 100% of a victory. It's the first step. Why do I say that? Well, the court overturned Roe versus Wade, which was a landmark court decision, Supreme Court decision, Supreme Court of the Lamb back in 1973, right? <clears throat> and a lot of people said, well, it's over, you know, abortion is the law of the land. This is how we do it. And what Roe versus Wade said wasn't that abortion was legal. They said that it had a constitutional right. It meant that the Constitution said that it was a right for people to have an abortion. Well, that's an important definition to make because then we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean? that the court overturned it. And really, what were they trying to say? First of all, let's go with some basics, right? You're going to hear a lot of different arguments. A lot of people are in upheaval about this. A lot of other people think, oh, abortion's gone. Abortion's here. No, let's get to the basics. Let's think like Catholics and let's really understand what happened. <clears throat> all the Supreme Court did this past Friday, June 24th, 2022, said that abortion is now up to the states. Abortion is not banned in our country. We can't say, oh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. That means that there's no abortions. No, it means that abortion got kicked down. The, the argument of whether there should or should not be abortions got kicked down back to the state level. Now, 
each state has their own legislature. We always think it's easy to think of the federal, right? We think of Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill, senators, representatives, the president, the Supreme Court. We think of our checks and balances, our executive, our legislative branch, our judicial branch. <clears throat> but we can't forget each state has their own division of this. Each state has a governor, which is kind of like the state president. And we have our own Supreme Court in the different states. Um, and so now the decision about whether there should be abortion or not is left up to the states, which means that they can choose through their own legislature to go one way or the other. They can go to the extremes. They can say absolutely no abortion in the state whatsoever. <clears throat> so long as that's voted on by us, by the individual residents of the state, that can be possible. Each state can all of a sudden decide, nope, no abortions whatsoever in our country, but it's up to the states. The states, as we know, you know, in the last few years, if anybody's been following the way that the laws go for abortion, the states can decide, hey, you can have an abortion all the way up until the end of the nine month. You know, they, they and some states were even arguing, gosh, even after the birth of a child, it's up to the mother, you know, and their doctor to decide, do we, you know, finish off this baby? Do we get rid of the life of the baby? Pretty extreme. You know, if anybody followed the case of uh, Dr. Kermit and in, in, uh, I believe it was Pennsylvania, um, he was doing some extreme things. You know, if you if you look into those cases, you start to realize this is going beyond even what's comprehensible. But at the same time, I say it's important to look at that because if we're going to argue, if we're going to say life begins at the moment of conception, it doesn't matter if the baby's inside the womb or outside the womb. Any violation of that is death. Is murder. That's the way it comes down. That's what it comes down to. So let's look at this a few things. Let's let's look at some um, definitions. We're going to have to look at that because the important thing is when you're having a discussion, shall we say, because right now there's going to be a lot of arguments, it's important to define terms. It's important to ask ourselves, what is it that we're talking about? Really, what are we saying? And if we're going to think like Catholics, we want to know exactly what these terms mean. It's easy to get wrapped up into an argument of emotions, right? This is a very emotional issue. It's a very emotional argument. Why? Because if you're looking at it from the perspective of this is the life of somebody that you're taking, that's pretty extreme, right? That's, that's, that's a big weight that that carries uh, if you're looking at human life. If you look at it from a different perspective and say, well, it's my right to have a procedure and you don't define what the procedure is, but you just look at what it's my right to do, that's almost the equivalent of saying, well, it's my right to cross the street when the sign says I can cross the street. So why would you trample on that and not think anything beyond that? It's important to define terms because whenever I've heard the arguments on abortion, on anything that's a hot topic issue, people don't define the terms and stay within the boundaries of what are we arguing about. The argument goes back and forth in different ways and people start getting angry. And after a while, as we see on TV, there's vandalism. As we see on the news, people start to fight and punch each other and they don't even know what they're essentially arguing about. But let's take a few steps back. So the first step that I want to touch on, the first topic that I want to touch on is let's look at what just happened. OK, so let's remember this. What just happened June 24th, 2022, when the Supreme Court of the United States at a federal level overturned Roe versus Wade, abortion was not banned in the country. So let's understand that to begin with. Abortion was not banned. The second thing is it means that each state gets to decide through their own legislature what degree, if any, they want to have abortions within their state and that the federal government cannot overreach. So that's really essentially what the Supreme Court said. The federal government cannot overreach. And now it's up to each state.
Okay, when we come back from the break, we're going to have some definitions about what is abortion and what is our right, so that if we get into a discussion, we know exactly what terms we are discussing. All right, folks, we're back here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Lee Sandoval Show. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Sandoval, and today we're having a very important topic, a very important conversation on what just happened June 24th, 2022. Supreme Court overturned the decision from 1973 of Roe versus Wade and decided that abortion is not a constitutional right. Now, Lots of arguments going on about this. Lots of questions about what does this mean? You know, a lot of people are very happy about this at the same time because a lot of people are happy because they think, gosh, abortion is no longer the law of the land, which is true. It's not the law of the land, but it is still the right of each individual state to decide if it is the law of the state, of the state land. So what that means is for people who don't understand or who might not have heard your individual state might say yes or no completely to whether or not abortions can happen there. And so if they don't happen, if the state doesn't allow it and somebody wants to have an abortion, it's still available. You just have to travel and find a state where it is available. This is the thing. As Catholics, we're saying, hey, definitely a step in the right direction, but our our fight, our desire to end abortion is not over. I tell this to a lot of people because I say we got to keep praying. Things are moving in the right direction. But if we're going to have conversations about this, let's look at what we are talking about specifically, because a lot of things get clouded whenever I hear about the argument of abortion. I start to hear, hey, it's my right versus you're killing a baby versus. And if you think about it, these are different arguments that we're having right now. The question is, is it my right to have an abortion? Well, let's go back even a little bit further. Let's look at let's define abortion. Let's actually talk about what an abortion is. Because a lot of times people don't talk about what an abortion is. They like to just say it's a woman's right to have an abortion. It's my body. Um, you know, it's, it's my legal choice. It's a difficult choice, but I have to make it. And it's my choice to make. These are all true things, but you're not actually telling me what you're doing. You're not telling me what that choice involves. You're not telling, you're not defining what you are doing in terms of what does it mean to have an abortion? As a medical doctor, this is very important to me. And we got to ask ourselves, well, what is an abortion? What is it that, what is this, this right that you want to have? What are you fighting for? Well, let's define abortion. Why not? I went online and I looked at the uh, definition from Merriman and Webster. I'm not looking at the Catholic dictionary. I'm not looking at anything. I'm looking at Merriman and Webster. Now, folks, keep in mind, the most important book you're ever going to read, a lot of people are going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval, we're Catholic, it's the Bible. Actually, I would argue that the most important book you're ever going to read is the dictionary because the dictionary defines terms. And even if you're reading the Bible, you have to understand what you're reading. Our dictionaries are what decides what the language is. I'm always very cautious of anybody trying to change definitions in a dictionary because a dictionary officially tells us what a word means. And that's very powerful. It's more powerful than anything else because if you don't have a dictionary, then nothing else makes sense. No other book makes sense. So let's go to the, a, a regular dictionary as to what an abortion is. Merriman and Webster defines abortion as the termination of a pregnancy after accompanied by resulting in or closely followed by the death of the embryo or fetus. Let's read that one more time and then let's look into it because it's very important. The termination of a pregnancy after accompanied by resulting in or closely followed by the death of the embryo or fetus. I think the most important word there, if we're going to read this definition, to me, is death. 
Why do I look at death? We're talking about pregnancy. We're talking about embryos. Death, I look at death, and I want us to think like Catholics, because if there's the involvement of death, we need, we need to always think of the opposites. When you're reading something, think, if it's defined this way, there's going to be an opposite somewhere. Same way that how do I define good? Well, it, somehow the definition of evil has to be around there. There's a juxtaposition, right? Although good can stand without evil. But how do I define evil? Well, they say it's the absence of good or something. You can't define evil without talking about good. So there's always an opposition. There's always uh, two sides of the coin, two argument, two sides to every argument. In this definition, it says it's closely followed, right? The termination of a pregnancy following the death of an embryo or fetus. Why is the word death important? Because then it tells me that there was life. There is no argument that there was life. If I'm going to have an abortion, I have to end life. There's, you can't use the word death without the word life. It's impossible, right? This is a regular uh, dictionary. This is important to consider. Merriman and Webster, termination of a pregnancy after accompanied by resulting in or closely followed by the death of the embryo or fetus. So the first thing that I want to argue or shall we say discuss if we're going to have a discussion about this is if we're going to talk about abortion, we have to talk about life and death. That's the first important part. If anybody wants to talk to you about, well, this is terrible, this is because of this or that, okay, let's take a step back and let's talk about what an abortion is. How do you accomplish an abortion? So at what point are you ending life? People can't argue about the life component there because ask any medical doctor after a certain while, after, usually by the time a woman finds out she's pregnant, usually there's a heartbeat there. And so then what happens? You talk to anybody, well, you got to stop the heartbeat. Well, there's a heartbeat, there's life. There's no question about that. If a heart is beating, there's life. There's no question. That's how we find out. Let's say you go to a tragic accident somewhere. There was a car accident and there's you know somebody in a car. What is the first thing you look for when you do CPR? When you do life-saving measures, you look for a pulse. You don't even look to see if the person's breathing. You look for a pulse. What does a pulse tell me that the heart is beating? If there is a beating heart, there is life. If you show up on an accident, you're going to do CPR, you're checking for a beating heart, you say, hey, there's a pulse, heart's beating, this person's alive. Same thing with the, in, in the womb. Now, granted, we know that the life is there ever since the moment of conception. There's no question about that. But usually, if you're going to have an abortion, you look at it, by the time that you're somebody's going to a clinic, for the most part, there's going to be a beating heart. There's no question about that. Remember, there were a lot of laws before uh, this overturn of Roe versus Wade, where they were talking about the heartbeat bill or the heartbeat laws, where if you detect a heartbeat, you cannot have an abortion because that's how we define life, right? Is there is there a heartbeat or not in the medical world? In the spiritual world, in the Catholic world, we know that as soon as the two cells meet, as soon as you have a sperm and the egg meet, and there's division, there's life there. So first, you want to define abortion if you're going to get into a conversation. Don't veer from that. Just say, is this correct or not? To have the death of the embryo or fetus, is that correct or not? Okay. What did the court do, though? They didn't define abortion. They didn't talk about abortion in particular as to what an abortion is. They define the constitutional right to an abortion, meaning does the federal government, can they tell you, do we have a right, according to our constitution, to have an abortion? This is important to define again. We have to use our thinking skills. This is why it's important in a psychiatric clinic. This is medical, psychiatric, and spiritual folks. This is what we're talking about here. Do I have a right to this? Let's define right. The way that the definite, the, the, I use the same dictionary, Merriman and Webster, it's just a regular dictionary across the board, so we can't say, hey, it's biased one way or another. It just says something to which one has a just claim, such as the power or privilege to which one is just, justly entitled. 
Okay, so am I entitled to have this? The Supreme Court, by telling us that we are not entitled to have abortions, it's not a right to have an abortion, not according to the federal government. So if it's not a right according to the federal government and it's not a right in certain states, then that means that equally, then you have to make the argument, is it a right at all? Now, you might get permission from certain states, but then the question lingers, this is not a right, which means you don't have a just claim to this. And if a state can declare, nope, there is no just claim to having an abortion, it means that <clears throat> there is no authority, you have no authority to do that. It's telling essentially couples, I say couples because this baby came from a man and a woman at some point, it's telling this couple that you no longer have the right, you no longer have the claim to end the life of that embryo or fetus or that human being. You can't kill that human being. It's important to define these terms, the abortion again, death of an embryo or fetus, which means there was life, and we don't have a constitutional right. The federal government says, nope, the constitution doesn't say you have the right to do this, which technically means that you have to be given this right or you have, be, have to be authorized to do this by your state. And the state can say, nope, you don't have this right which now there's a big argument. This, this is what's scary for some people who are really in favor of abortions because they realize there's an element of truth there that we need to ask ourselves. And the question is, do we have this right? Notice there's going to be a big argument on this is my right. And the, the Supreme Court just said, it's not your right. You know, we have this argument about different things. If you look at different states, they'll say, hey, you don't have the right to a driver's license. It's a privilege right? We can say, no, I have my driver's license. I mean, I'm allowed to drive. The state says I can take away your right, your, your privilege to drive. They say it's not a right. It's a privilege. We're giving you permission to do this. This is a bigger argument because now the question is, is it my right or not a right? Remember, when we look at the Declaration of Independence and we talk about the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which means it's a right, which means it cannot be taken away, which means it's God-given that we're talking about the right to life, Notice that we use the word right, and that's a big word. That's a big word when we're talking about this argument. We have the right to life, and that's what some of the states are going to be able to say. They're going to say, nope, you don't have the right to kill. You don't have the right to death, to the death of that child. This child has the right to life. There's going to be a lot of arguments we're going to see going down the road. As Catholics, we have to be ready for this. We have to think like Catholics. What does that mean? Well, we're going to have to start listening to people talk about defining what personhood is, because now... They can't argue that it's alive, right? An abortion is going to kill something. But now the question is, what are we killing? Is it just tissues? Is it like you have a mole on your skin and you can say, well, that mole is technically alive because there are live cells on your skin. And I'm going to remove it, though, because I think it's cancerous. That used to be the, a lot of the arguments. People used to say, hey, you know, the, the, the newborn child, the, the, the baby in the womb. Uh, after a couple of weeks, it's just a tumor. It's just cells growing. Well, that's true. But for that matter, I'm just a walking, living tumor. We're all cells growing and multiplying across, across the board. So it's important to make these definitions. Why? Because you don't want to get caught in a discussion where all of a sudden things get veered out of the way and ask yourself, what is it that we're discussing? What are we talking about? Now, as Catholics, like I always say, we want to think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics, so we can be Catholic. One of the important things that we have to ask ourselves is, what does the Catholic Church truly say about <clears throat> abortion? Well, I always like to go back to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There's a long passage here. We're going to go ahead and start it and highlight some of the points. But if you ever get to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you start at paragraph 2270, 
And then you can start looking at what does the Catholic Church say? So we've defined abortion, we've defined right according to the secular dictionary, but I want to think like a Catholic. I know what the dictionary says. Let me think about what a Catholic says. Let's look at this. Again, paragraph 2270, Catechism of the Catholic Church. Human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. From the first moment of, his ex of its existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. This is an important paragraph. Why? Because look at the words that the Catholic Church is using. Catholic Church is smart. The magisterium is smart. Again, if you go back, it says a human being, human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person. We just define rights. They're not redefining rights. They're going back to what I said. Do we have a right to something? Do we have a right, a just claim? It's saying every human being has the rights of a person. And I told you, watch out. Down the road now, people are going to start arguing about what personhood is. And if we don't recognize somebody as a person from the moment of conception, that can be a slippery slope. It goes on to say, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Book of Jeremiah, that's chapter 1, verse 5. The Catechism of the Catholic Church goes back to that to justify our dignity before the eyes of God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. We are valid persons because God said not because humans. More after the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Important conversation we are having today. Roe versus Wade overturned June 24th, 2022. No coincidence. It was a feast of the sacred heart. As Catholics, what we should really, the way we should really think and the way we should really say is, hey, June 24th, 2022, that's a feast of the sacred heart. Watch out. Something big is going to happen. Or we should say, hey, guess what? December 25th is coming up. Christmas Day. Watch out, something big's going to happen. God's working big. These are big feast days. God wants to show his majesty as well. No coincidence here, folks. Sacred Heart, shall we say that the Sacred Heart had nothing to do with this? Eh, we're going to talk about more about this on the last segment in terms of what did the Sacred Heart do? How powerful is Christ? And how do we forget? Um, it's easy for us to forget. But in the midst of prayer and when we are praying, when we're keeping our devotions, we can start to really see that God is working. And then what we consider to be miracles God is saying, hey, this is just what I can do for you. You've got to look at, at through the eyes of faith. you got to see what I can do for you through the eyes of faith. Before the break, we were talking about what does the Catechism of the Catholic Church have to say about abortion? You know, the Catholic, the Catholic Church, the Catechism, Code of Canon Law, they don't come up with these things just willy-nilly. It's just from the way we think. We can look at it from a secular perspective. Uh, and then we're going to see how the Catholic Church takes definitions and says this is going to be important. This is what guides us to God. Before the break, I was reading uh, in, in paragraph 2270, there is a conversation being had, if we look at this, between God and the soul, your soul, my soul. God is talking to the soul, and the soul speaks back to God. Let's look at this. Before the break, I read in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, they quote Jeremiah. It's uh, the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 1, verse 5, <clears throat> it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is God speaking to the soul. 
what does the soul say in return? There's a conversation happening here. It says, the catechism says, goes on to say, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth. I like to expound on that. That's actually from Psalms. Okay, so if we look at Psalms, at Psalm 139, verse 15. But let's read verse 15 and 16 together. So remember, Jesus, God is telling us, God is speaking to our soul. And he's saying, before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you. And the soul replies and says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That is how intimately involved God is with our soul and our soul should be with God. God is saying, I already knew you. You didn't even exist. I already loved you. I knew what was going to happen. And the soul replies and says, you were watching me as I was being formed and you already recorded every moment of my life before it even happened. That's beautiful. That's be when we, you know, when we feel alone, when we feel like we don't know what's going on, when we feel like we're lost, we got to remember God has already seen our life and he's already laid something out for us. If we look at it through the eyes of faith, we have to see that God has something greater for me. God already knows I'm going to fall and God knows I'm going to sin. God knows I'm going to, I'm not going to be perfect. This is the conversation I would have if we're going to talk to somebody. Let's say that they start to say, well, this happened to me and I got pregnant and I don't know what to do. And I think I need to have an abortion. I, I, I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling like God is not with me. These are the passages we need to remember. It's that subtle truth that's so powerful. God, God knows exactly what's happening to you. God knew this was going to happen, perhaps, or that there was a potential for this to happen before you were even born. God laid out the days of your life, which means that God's also not going to leave you alone. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, a situation where you think, my life is over, that's us thinking, but that's not the way God thinks. Let's switch it to the eyes of faith and recognize there's something more for me. There's something bigger for me that's planned, which I cannot see right now, but God has already seen. The catechism goes on to say, since the very first century, the church has, the church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say, abortion willed either as a sin, as an end, or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. You shall not kill the embryo by abortion, and shall not cause the newborn to perish. God, the Lord of life, has entrusted to men the noble mission of safeguarding life, and men must carry it out in a manner worthy of themselves. Life must be protected in the utmost care from the moment of conception abortion and infanticide are abominable crimes this is important to consider heavy words we have to read these words in the light of god's mercy i think it's very easy to feel like i've already committed a grave offense right because it says formal cooperation and abortion constitutes a grave offense that's speaking to me doctors or anybody you know if you cooperate in this it's a grave offense and the church attaches a canonical penalty okay what's the canonical penalty that means that canon law according to the law of the church it says the attached canonical penalty of excommunication to this crime against human life this is what canon law says it is a person who procures a completed abortion incurs excommunication laetiae sententiae what does that mean and so if you look at that that's let me look at my book of canon law here that's actually canon 
1398. So if you look at the book of Canelot 1398, it says specifically, if you are in cooperation, if you procure an abortion, if you are uh, involved in an abortion willingly, you're excommunicated. You're no longer part of the church. Now, a lot of people say, oh, excommunication, that's such a punishment. The church doesn't see excommunication as a punishment. The church sees excommunication as a time to reflect and to come back to the church, to repent for what you've done and come back to the church and understand the laws of God as he has written them down and to be able to follow that. Those are some strong words. You know, this is a very, very serious issue. I think that this is why it needed to be had on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. I think this is where Jesus came down and said, we need to set some things straight. We need to make you reflect on what's going on, what we're talking about, what you're fighting for on both sides, and ask yourself, what is the truth? Do you want to be separated from me, excommunicated? Do you really want to be separated from God or not? And that's really what it comes down to from a Catholic perspective. There's no question about that. Church is very clear. Um, and so this goes on to say, so this is big, we talked about excommunication, but what does the catechism go on to say? We can't leave it at that, remember? Uh, let's see, it says, the church does not thereby intend to restrict the scope of mercy. Rather, she makes clear the gravity of the crime committed, the irreparable harm done to the innocent who is put to death, as well as to the parents and the whole of society. This is not restricting mercy. This is saying, look, this is what we know as human beings. This is what we know of the situation. It's up to Jesus to make it whole. This is why this conversation had to happen on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And the church also is very good at saying there is damage to society done. When this happens, when we take away life, it's not just a, remember, there's no private sins. This is, this affects society as a whole. That's important to consider. That's important to understand because our sins are public. We think that they're private, but they're public. But the church never negates God's mercy. So why is this important? Because we got to remember this is when, when this ruling came down, there could be a mix of emotions. A lot of people who may have had abortions done or performed abortions, this ruling might have made them think about it a little bit. And people don't like to think about it. We don't like to, I don't like to think about my sins. I don't like to think about what I've done. I don't like to think of that I did something that was wrong or against the law of God. That's a problem. That's a problem, right? Because all of a sudden I want to, I want everything to be okay. We live in a society right now where nobody can be depressed. People come to me all the time. Oh, I'm feeling depressed. I need a pill. Eh, sometimes we can get upset. That's, that's life. Sometimes we're going to be sad about things. But we're in a society where we think that we're always supposed to be happy or very commonly People who are taking medication for depression or anxiety appropriately all of a sudden still feel depressed or anxious at certain moments. And we've got to remind ourselves that's normal. Just because you're taking medication, people will say, oh, it's not working anymore because, you know, my loved one passed away and I felt really sad. So the medication is not working. I say, no, actually, the medication I'm sure is working fine. But it's normal for a human being to be upset, especially if something like that happens. When rulings happen like this or when the question of abortion comes up like this, and all of a sudden we see that the Supreme Court says, no, you know, abortion is not always right. The states still have to decide, but the state can decide that abortion is wrong. Then the truth comes out in a way that a lot of people find it hard to deal with. It's important to remember the mercy provided by God, the mercy provided by Christ. And I think that this is why Jesus decided this has to happen on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Remember um, when Jesus talked to Pontius Pilate, and he told him, if we look at John 19, 
chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus said to him, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. He's talking to Pontius Pilate and he says, you have this power because my father gave it to you. This power was given to you from above. In the same way, I think we see this on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. We needed to have this come from above. I think that, you know, the overturning of Roe versus Wade was God speaking to us, saying, hey, you got to make things right again. And we have to talk about there's a difference between right and wrong. That's hard for people to accept. People don't want to say that there's a right or a wrong to this. That's why we start using words like it's my right, it's healthcare, it's all these different things that we're going to have to say. But notice that they don't go back to the definition of abortion. Is there the question of death, life and death there? According to, to the dictionary, yeah, there is. There's the death of the embryo. There's the death of the fetus, which means that there was a life there. People don't like to look at the definition of abortion. So before anybody ever wants to talk to me about abortion, I say, well, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to define these terms first? What is it that we're talking about before we have this conversation? So we understand exactly what we're defining, and there's no confusion later, and people get upset. It's important to, to consider this can be a very uh, challenging time for a lot of people if they are faced with having had an abortion and now feeling guilty about it, now regretting it. I had a case like that one time. We're going to talk about this a little bit later on. Actually, let me check my notes and see if this is when I wanted to talk about it. Um, yeah, we can talk about it now. There was a case I had one time of, you know, it was a young lady and she came and she came to my office and she was feeling depressed. She was feeling anxious. She was going through a lot of emotions, really um, stirred up. And she was about to graduate college, about to get her degree. Very common, actually, for people to feel depressed, anxious, or a flurry of emotions about as they're about to get their uh, degrees or accomplish something, because then the question is, well, what's next? What happens after I get my degree? Well, one thing to consider that's important in this particular case, and we're going to talk more about this after the break, is she revealed to me she had had an abortion. It was a very interesting conversation that we had. A young lady about to graduate college reveals to me she has an abortion and starts to really look at what's the difference between the truth and the lie. More after the break. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. You know, excited to have this show today. We had such a big feast day last week, Feast of the Sacred Heart, Friday, June 24th, 2022. Most people are going to remember that date as the day that the Supreme Court overturned the ruling of Roe versus Wade from 1973 and decided that abortion was no longer a constitutional right, or shall we say, uh, restored the fact that abortion was never a constitutional right and just set the record straight. So the, really what the, the Supreme Court said was back in 1973, there was government overreach and they should have never said that this was a federal uh, imposed right, that it was a constitutional right. And they're saying, no, it's up to every state. It's not up to the federal government. The constitution does not protect a woman's decision to have an abortion. That's really how they, they frame it. And that's what they said. Um, Important to consider as Catholics, because of course, we're always saying there's life from the moment of conception. There's no question about that. Two cells get together and start forming a brand new human being, regardless of how small that human being is. Very important to consider. Um, why the Feast of the Sacred Heart? You've been listening to the show. I think that there was no question that it had to happen on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. It had, had to happen on a, on a feast day where if it's going to make people come face to face with truly what an abortion is, and they're going to start to feel very heavy if they had an abortion, were involved in an abortion, have great regrets. The Sacred Heart's going to be there to support 
anybody who is starting to feel that way, who feels like they need to get back to confession, back into the church, who's going to start to recognize what happened. One of the things that I think is beautiful is the fact that the patron saint of the Sacred Heart, of course, is Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque. And she is the one who Christ uh, appeared to and let her know about the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Something I find interesting, I did a show on the Sacred Heart a couple uh, weeks ago um, because I wanted to uh, highlight the Feast of the Sacred Heart and know that Catholics take great pride in the Sacred Heart, especially in the month of June, which is devoted to the Sacred Heart. One of the things that I found very important, very interesting really with St. Margaret Mary is that she is the patron saint of those who have lost a parent. Again, she is the patron saint of those who have lost a parent. I think that she is a patron saint of every child that's been aborted, anybody who's lost a parent. Now, granted, I can do the obvious. Anybody of us who our parents have passed away and we are here uh, on the planet and we're alive and our parents have passed away, she is our patron saint. She is a patron saint for that situation. But this also makes her the patron saint of every aborted baby. Any coincidence that this ruling happened on the Feast of the Sacred Heart? I'm curious to see what's going to happen next around the Feast of the Sacred Heart. I think, you know, Jesus is going to show us how he works in our world um, and what he does for us, really, to lead us back to the truth, to lead us back to, remember, there's a right and a wrong. And at the end of the day, all that's going to matter is how do I look in the eyes of Christ, regardless of how anybody else judges me or chooses to judge me. You know, people are going to say lies about us. That's the bottom line. If we're going to, if we're fighting for Christ, people are going to say lies about us. If we're fighting for the family, which is really what this fight's about, you know, it's a, it's a fight for, from the very first order God gave us, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply. It's the very first commandment God gave Adam and Eve, first mission that he gave them. No surprise that there is a battle there. No surprise that there is an entity who wants to fight that. Remember, uh, Sister Lucia told us that the final battles against the family, we're seeing big battles against the family right now, if we look at it from a Catholic lens, from a Catholic perspective. Well, before the break, I was talking about a patient who came to talk to me one time. She was suffering from anxiety, from depression, and we were treating that, and she was doing okay with that. But we had a very interesting conversation. She was about to graduate college, and she told me that she's always been, had always been a little bit having unrest was never quite at ease, was never quite happy finishing her college career because she had had an abortion her sophomore year. So she was out partying. She was just like everybody else. She met a nice boy. It went out a couple times. They were intimate. She ended up getting pregnant and she was really scared. She said, I could not tell my parents about this. My parents never know about this. And she said, I especially cannot tell my dad about this. She didn't elaborate as to why. I didn't ask as to why. She was just sharing her story. Um, and I was just there to support her. Uh, I wasn't there to tell her that she was going to be condemned or anything bad along those lines. Um, I was there to see, where are you at now? How are you feeling about what happened? And let's talk about what's going to happen for you moving forward. Well, she shared with me that now she's supposed to be happy as she's graduating. She's getting her degree. She's going to move forward in her career. She was also the first person in her family to graduate from college. So that was a big accomplishment for her. She had all these things weighing on her shoulders. But when it came to the topic of her having had an abortion, she said she could not think about it. She blocked it from her mind because her life was okay. And she justified saying, well, you know, if I had not had the abortion, I wouldn't have been able to graduate. I would have been taking care of a baby. At the same time, there was a deep sadness where she said, if I think about it, though, I think about I would have been a mother right now. 
I would have had a family right now and I would have had a baby to take care of. I don't know if the guy was going to be in the picture or not. She didn't specify. She wasn't going to be my patient much longer. And she just kind of shared this at the, like the last minute, like she had to get it out. I was just there to listen. But what I found there was the, the contrast. You know, it's, it's the argument that everybody's having. On the one hand, hey, she needed to finish her college degree. That was going to be extremely important. She felt, you know, the first person to go to college. She's looking for a career, starting her life as to, you know, the way the world tells you, you got to have a career, you got to have a job, you got to have all these great things. Um, at the same time, she was conflicted. She was conflicted because she used that to justify, well, that's why I had to have the abortion. You're going to hear a lot of people say that. You know, that's very common to hear that. At the same time, though, she had a great sadness. She had a great sadness that even though she was about to accomplish this great feat, she was about to get her degree, she was happy moving forward, have this career, she had this great sadness that something was now missing. And she said she could not think about it without breaking down, so she didn't even think about it. She said, if I think about it, it's horrific to think about what I did. But she said, I can't even think about this. I don't even want to go down that route because then I can't move forward. This was a big weight for her. This was something heavy that she carried. And I just asked her, you know, gently, I asked her, well, do you have, what kind of a spiritual life do you have? Do you follow any beliefs in particular? Are you headed in that direction at all? Have you thought about bringing this to a minister, a priest, wherever you are, uh, as far as in your spiritual life, somebody to talk to about this, to start that conversation? Because folks, healing has to take place there. You know, she's now thinking, of this child, and this child lost a parent. Anybody who you might encounter in that, you might tell them, hey, you might want to pray to uh, St. Margaret Mary, because she is a patron saint of those who have lost a parent. You might want to pray for your child if you've had an abortion. Pray for this child um, and pray to St. Margaret Mary that she might bring, bring them comfort wherever the child is. Uh, we don't know. We hope and we imagine that and this is an innocent child and they make it to heaven and, and, and God is taking care of them. We hope that, you know. We don't know for sure. We'll know that when we get to heaven and when we meet God and we'll be made aware of so many different things. But in the meantime, prayer never hurts. God's never going to let any prayer go to waste. Whether he has to allocate it one place or another, it's important to consider that. So just remember that, folks. I thought that was very beautiful. St. Margaret Mary, those who, patron saint of those who have lost a parent, feast of the Sacred Heart. She is also uh, the patron of those who are devoted to the Sacred Heart. And the Feast of the Sacred Heart, big things happen. What would I tell people? You know, where do we go from here? What would I tell people? There's going to be a lot of, I think, arguments and upheavals for a while. I've heard that people are worried because uh, there's talk about vandalism. And really, the vandalism, if you look at this, is strictly against the Catholic Church or any clinic that supports life. Right? All I've heard is there's going to be vandalisms against Catholic churches in particular and any clinic that supports life. That tells me that we're in the right path if we're going to follow this Catholic life. You know, if the world wants to come attack me, there's a reason for it. There's a reason why they want to bring me down. Am I, are we really that powerful? Through Christ we are, through that sacred heart we are. And I think that we don't always think of that, but start looking at it that way. Well, gosh, why would they want to attack us? Why would we be under attack? It means we hold something of the truth. It means we hold something very powerful and very strong. How do we teach our children? Because this is where I think, you know, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? One, we keep praying. We got to keep praying. Something big's happening. Things are moving in the right direction. We got to keep praying. But not only that, we have to teach our children because we have to bring prayer to the future generations. We got to keep this going. We got to keep our Catholic faith alive. I would say sit down with your kids at an age appropriate level and discuss with them not so much abortion to begin with, 
but the importance of life and how we see life as Catholics. If your kids are a little bit older and you think that, gosh, you know, they're starting to go out with their friends, uh, they're starting to, the girls are looking at the boys, the boys are looking at the girls, puberty setting in. It's natural. That's the way God set it up for us. Puberty is going to happen. Life is changing. Puberty is happening. Growth is happening. Emotions are going to be happening. <clears throat> it doesn't do us any good to not to not address them. If we think, gosh, I'll wait till they're 18 or 20 to address things with my kids, we've, we've lost that battle. We have to look at this from an age-appropriate level. If we're not comfortable with it, talk to somebody. Talk to a priest. Talk to a therapist. Let me know. Send me an email. And how do I address this issue with my kid? What do I say at this age? The first thing I would say is listen to what the kid's saying. I would ask the kids, what do they know? What is it that you know about intimacy? What is it that you know about life? If they want to talk about sex, I would say, okay, great. That sounds like you want to talk about marriage and the sacrament of marriage and the vocation of marriage. Let's talk about that first before we talk about any physical intimacy. And I would remind our children, because I think we forget about this. When we talk about vocations, we talk all the time about priests and nuns. But we forget marriage is a vocation. A lot of people sometimes feel they have a vocation to having a wedding. But a wedding is just the start of the marriage. What really the sacrament is, the vocation is, is the, is the marriage. It's a lifelong living together, being in community together, being united together. Marriage is going to have ups and downs. It's two people who are going to have different opinions at times. Two people who are going to think about divorcing at times. Do we need to separate? What's keeping us together? Well, what's keeping us together is we have to ask ourselves, what did you and I do when we said I do? Something happened there. Something important happened there. God gave us this calling to form a family. We formed a family. What does that mean? What does it take to break apart a family? You know, a lot of times people get married nowadays or just engage in casual, casual relationships. And we have lost, I think, that sense of family. We started a family. That means something. We started a sacrament in the form of a family. That's very important and very profound and very deep. But society nowadays, you know, we see people get married and divorced, married and divorced. People get people have weddings and they get divorced, but I have to ask myself, were they really married? And the hard part is a lot of times it's a valid marriage. People don't even understand what they're getting into. Sometimes we forget to teach each other and we forget what it is that we need to discuss as far as vocations. You know, do you have a vocation to a marriage? Well, my son, my daughter, you're asking me big questions about intimacy. Why do people end up getting pregnant and then wanting to have abortions? Where's the family? Where's the sense of family? Where's that sense of unity? Where's that sense of vocation? Two movies I would recommend uh, for parents to watch when your kids are a little bit older, maybe in adolescence, high school. Roe versus Wade, great movie. Did a great job of showing how that landmark decision came about in 1973. And that's important to consider um, because then you understand why the Supreme Court now could overturn it and say, look, that was a brash decision. The other one, a great movie, Unplanned, about a young gal who was working at actually at Planned Parenthood and saw the light and she saw what the truth was. She saw what they were being told at Planned Parenthood and then she saw what was actually happening. Great movies to watch, especially in light of uh, this ruling on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And lastly, more importantly than anything else, remember, you got to hear, hear both sides of the argument. These movies are going to tell you about our side of the argument and how to think about it. But more than anything else, remember God's mercy and all. Anybody who comes to you concerned, just let them know God is merciful and still love. Until next time.